Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to 3 John. Third John, chapter 1. We're going to continue this series about grieving with hope we started last week. And I encourage you, if you weren't here last week, you need to listen to that message. I believe it will help you. And um, when I preach in series, I try to build every week on what I said last week. So it's important that you're here every week or you listen to it every week because what I said last week pertains to this week and what I say this week pertains to next week. So it's all connected here together. And it's important. So we're talking about grieving with hope this morning. And starting in 3 John verse one, or chapter 1, verse 2. Look what it says here. Beloved, so he's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Notice that, beloved, I pray... This is the Apostle John speaking to a church. He's an elderly man. He says, I pray, or I will, this is God's will, that you may prosper in all things and be in health. But notice, just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. Now, today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is a prosperous soul. A prosperous soul. Now, I can tell already by the the, the volume in here that you guys are going to be way too quiet this morning. So I just want to, I just want to stop that before we go any further. See, that's not going to work for me. Okay. It's not going to work for you and it's not going to work for me. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's lift the response level because the better you respond, the more you get out of it for starters and the better I preach. And like Dr. Dufresne always said, you get more when you respond more. And, And I'm a better preacher than the way you're responding already today. So, If we're going to get everything we need to get out of this message or any other messages, we need to respond to it. We need to engage with it verbally and and with our eyes and with our ears and with our notes and with our Bibles if we're really going to get something from God. And I believe that's what you want today, right? You didn't come to church just to come to church. You're not just, uh, you know, you're not just coming to, uh, to, to sign off and say you got uh, some praise bucks today because you came to church, right? You came because you actually want to get something. That's why you come to a church like ours, because you're here to do it not just out of religiousness, but you want to receive something from God's word. That's why you're here today. Just to remind you, in case you guys felt a little sleepy and a little... Because some of you do right now, so you need to wake up. Um, so we're going to talk today about a prosperous soul. And we're going to continue this thought about what we started last week about grieving with hope. Amen. Now, when we talked about grieving with hope, we base that off of a scripture in Thessalonians. And we read it last week and it says, we are not those who grieve without hope. He's talking to a believer specifically, uh, because if you're not a believer, there's no help for you. You're going to grieve, but you're not going to have hope. That's why so many people that go through tough things, pain, hurt, trauma, abuse, grief, 
when they don't know God, and even some that do know God, but just don't know how to deal with it right, they get into this place of hopelessness and despair because they grieve without hope. But we are not those who grieve without hope because we have God. Now, we, we are those who, who don't grieve without hope because we got to see here this morning that we are those that not only in the future there's heaven and we know that even if we're talking about loved ones that passed away, that we'll see them in the future. Yes, we're hopeful for that. But beyond just that, I believe that the reason that we can grieve with hope is there is healing today. <laughs> like in this life, like, like this one right here. Like, I, I know we got hope because it's all going to be, in right, be all right in the sweet by and by, right? It's all going to be good in heaven. All of us agree to that. Every person agrees to that. Even people that don't even know what they believe, they kind of believe that. Like, yeah, it's going to be all okay one day in heaven. In the sweet by and by, everything's going to be right. Everything's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be awesome in heaven. But right now, it stinks. It's hard. I'm going to suffer through this the rest of my life. That's what most people think. Even Christian people think. And it's real. And I understand that. But the reason that we have hope and we can grieve with hope is because there's healing today. There's healing today. I believe that 100% with all my heart. I don't care where you came from, where your background is, how bad your trauma, abuse, pain, or hurt is. There is healing today. Of course in heaven. But you realize when you get to heaven, you're not going to even care. You won't even remember the pain or hurt or abuse or trauma you went through. You won't even remember it because you will be in the presence of Jesus forever with no sin. Trust me, you're not going to be thinking about the time that somebody hurt your feelings in third grade. You're not going to be thinking about what happened when you were 32 years old and you got hurt. You're not going to think about the trauma you experienced at 50. You're going to be in heaven. You won't even think about it. But right here and now, is this okay so far? I'm just going off the top of my head. This is not my notes. We can grieve with hope, not only because there's hope in the future, there's hope in heaven, but we can grieve with hope because there's healing today. There's healing today. I want to establish some just foundational things, and I said it last week, but we need to say it again. God wants you to be well, spirit, soul, and body. God wants you to be well, whole, sound, healed, spirit, soul, and body. That's his perfect will for your life. And I know that that there's a lot of believers that aren't that way. But that doesn't negate what God's will is. God's perfect will is that you would be sound, healed, whole, spirit, soul, and body. Now, In the church world, we emphasize the spirit part, which we should. But I know a lot of people that are so-called spiritual people, and they are emotionally unhealthy. Can I go there today? And they are physically unhealthy. But yet they raise their hands at church, and they shout, and they read their Bible. But during the week, they are completely emotionally and mentally unhealthy. And they are physically unhealthy because they've only placed an emphasis on their spirit. But you need to place an emphasis on your spirit. But 
That's only one part of you. God created you spirit, soul, and body. And you can't neglect the other two and expect to be healthy. God has a lot to say in his word about taking care of all three. There's a lot of scriptures about taking care of your spirit, but there's a lot of scriptures that take care of, of your soul and your body. And we would be dishonest to overlook those verses. Like I said last week, sometimes we selectively look over verses like that in the church world. <laughs> Such as, I'll say it again. I know we're going to go eat after this, but I'm going to say it one more time. <laughs> Such as we go hard on people to get drunk, but the same drunk verses have gluttony in it too. And most Christians are overweight. Okay. Including myself. So we go hard. Oh, you don't need to get drunk. Okay, well, you don't need to eat that fried chicken either. Both of those things say that you're out of control. You have no self-control. Overeating and over-drinking, it's the same spiritual thing. Okay, all right. I, I, I left that last week. I'm sorry I brought it up again. I'm sorry I brought it up again. I'm just preaching to myself first, okay? Um, God gave you emotions and feelings. We need to know that as well. You are made in God's image and likeness. God has emotions. And Jesus himself, if you read his life in the Gospels, Jesus showed emotions. He experienced emotions. He experienced love and joy and celebration. Jesus also experienced anger. He flipped over some tables. There was times where Jesus grieved and he cried. And notice Jesus did that all without sin. Meaning that we can have emotions and experience emotions and do it without sin if we do it the right way. Now, here's two extremes that are unhealthy. And I see this in the church world a lot. We have one group of people who are completely led and controlled by every emotion, feeling, and sensation they have. Trust me, you'll be a train wreck roller coaster. And you won't have a healthy life. Here's the other extreme, and I would say this is more faith people, because we've been taught about faith versus feeling so much. And really, what they mean by it, you've taken it the wrong way and taken it out of context. And we got a lot of believers walking around who suppress everything they feel, every emotion they have. They do not feel anything. They do not express themselves. They are walking around numb and like robots and legalistic. That's unhealthy too. And I say a lot of Christians are more that way than the other way. And that's unhealthy to be that way as well. Both extremes are wrong. Now, I try to preach a balanced message around here. Let's not get in the ditch over here. It's unhealthy. Let's not get in the ditch over here. No, God gave you feelings and emotions, and God has them himself. The key is how we express those, how we deal with those in a healthy way. Now, there's a reason I'm talking about this, because I'm going to talk today about your soul, which is your mind, your will, and emotions. And we've been talking about grieving with hope. Let me read something to you. Uh, this is from Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who is a neuroscientist. Yeah. 
And she spent her whole life studying about your brain, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions. This is what she says. Emotions aren't necessarily good or bad. But there are good and bad ways of expressing them. And there is healthy and unhealthy ways of acting upon them. Emotions, listen to this, are data telling us what's important in our lives. And they are signals that point us to deeper issues. We own our emotions, they don't own us. That's why we need to understand the data or signal behind them and realize we have the power to choose and grow in them. So we're talking just a minute about emotions, and I know some of you are uncomfortable about this because somebody needed to talk to you about this your whole life and didn't. That's why you don't have good relationships. That's why you don't know how to handle your life because no one ever talked about emotions. And how many know it's truthful? Past generations just didn't do this type of stuff. And they thought they were making you tough, but they were actually making you unhealthy. Okay? Hey, but I'm balanced. I'm balanced. But then now we got this generation today that talks too much about it. And they're making their children not able to handle anything. Both are true. Both are unhealthy. No, let's go. If we go talk, let's talk. Let's call it both out. Past generations didn't discuss it, didn't talk about it, didn't act anything about it. Oh, just get over it. It's not a problem. Move on with your life. Just because you're quiet about it doesn't mean you're healthy. <laughs> just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean anything was fixed. And then we got another generation that that's all they talk about. And they're making their children not able to even function. Listen to me as your pastor. Both are unhealthy. And both are in the ditch and they're extreme. God, once again, there's a, what's the real way to do it? God gave you feelings and emotions. You need to experience them. You need to express them. But you need to do it in a healthy way. Don't act like you don't have it, but don't be led by it. That's what God's word says. And if we don't experience emotions or feelings or anything, we're not really living in this life. God gave you these things for a purpose and for a reason. But I love what Dr. Leaf says about this, and I want to talk about this for a second. She said emotions are data or we could say information that is telling us what's important in our lives. And they are signals pointing to deeper issues. If all of us in here, now here, I'm, I'm going to talk a minute about how, how's a healthy way to deal with this, okay? When you feel, now I'm talking about grief, but I'm talking about bigger than that. Just all of your emotions in your soul. This pertains to everything. When we're, when we're talking about your emotions and your feelings, when you feel something in your emotions, when you experience something, you need to take a step back before you act on that feeling. And what does Dr. Leaf say? It's so true. That feeling or emotion is trying to give you some information or a signal to you about something deeper going on in your life. Right, 
And you need to figure that out before you act on that thing. Let's just say when, when you feel anger, you need to take a step back and realize where is this coming from? Where is the root of this issue? Because if you don't get to the root of the issue, guess what? It's going to come back next week and next month and next year. And you're going to keep getting in the same prayer line because you never dove into where, why is this coming? Where, where is this information? Why is this signal coming to me? If you keep experiencing it, you got to figure out where's the root of the issue. That's just one thing. You feel anger or maybe you feel sad or maybe you feel fearful or maybe you feel anxious. Once again, your emotions and feelings are not necessarily bad. They are data, information, and signals trying to get your attention and talk about a deeper issue that's going on in your life. Why do I feel this way? Once again, if, if we're in either extreme, we're not going to be healthy. Because one extreme, when they feel those things, they just jump all the way into it. Right. <laughs> well, I feel it. I guess that's just the way I am. And I can't do anything about it. That's not healthy. And here's the other one. I don't feel nothing. It's not bothering me. I just forget about it. Guess what? That little feeling is going to pop back up next week. Say, what's up? Did you forget me? You didn't deal with me because you act like you didn't feel nothing. But it's still here. It's going to keep growing. If you keep ignoring me, it's trying to tell you something. You got to figure out what it's trying to tell you. Now, here's the best way I've learned to do that. And I am by no means an expert on this. But when I feel something or I feel something in my emotions, I realize it's a signal that there's something deeper going on with me. And I need to go, listen to me, not to Google, <laughs> not to WebMD, because you're going to be dead by tonight if you look up on WebMD. Oh my gosh, I have every symptom. I'm going to die by tonight. <laughs> no, you need to go to the Holy Spirit and say, what is going on with me where is the root of this and why do I feel this way? And guess what? At this church, we believe that we trust a God who can speak back to us. We trust the Holy Spirit who we could be led by the Spirit of God. That we can be empowered by the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of God can speak to us and lead us and guide us into all truth for our life. And so before you do anything, if you feel something... If you have a strong emotion, take a step back. Ask the Holy Spirit, why do I feel this way? What's going on with me? Where is the root of this? Before you act on it, before you express it, you need to know. Because if you don't, you're going to jump into one or the other extreme. Either you're going to go all the way down this path and we're like, oh my gosh, I just feel it. It must be true. And I'm just this way and nothing else can change. And I'm just going to have to be this way the rest of my life. No, that's not. That's an extreme. Or I'm just going to keep denying I feel anything. I'm just going to keep ignoring it. No, it's going to keep getting worse. Am I helping anybody today so far? 
I know you non-failing emotional people are super uncomfortable with everything I'm saying. And I, I'm glad you are because you need this message. If we want to be healthy as believers, we need to have talks about this. Once again, why can people be so-called spiritually strong, come to church, be in life group, but yet cuss out their neighbor? Look at porn on a Thursday night. Be depressed on Saturday morning. It's not because your spirit has the issue. It's because your soul has the issue. And since no one's ever talked to you about your soul, that's why you keep having the same thing over and over and over. No, your spirit's great. Your spirit has been re reborn. Your spirit is perfect. Your soul is the problem that needs to be renewed and changed and grown and helped and guarded and protected and, and needs to become healthy, which is something that you have to play a part in. I'm saying something today. Or we'll keep doing the same thing over and over. In my opinion, most, not just church people, just people, are mentally and emotionally very unhealthy. And physically. Because no one ever talks about this stuff. Good thing you don't have a pastor like that. I like talking about it. So, back to my point. Are you still with me? Are we doing good on time here? Okay. So, when you feel something, take a step back. Ask the Holy Spirit, what's going on? And realize sometimes he might give you a more practical answer than you're realizing. Here's an example. There's been certain times I felt depressed and I just felt really down and discouraged. And I'm over here like just fighting demons like, I rebuke you, thus saith the Lord. And I went to God and asked him about it. And he's like, you're just really tired. You need to get some sleep. Stop doing warring tongues and get to bed. We're always looking for a spiritual answer. Sometimes it's not even a spiritual so-called answer. God knows you better than you know you. Maybe you just need a snack. Because you're hangry. Maybe you just need to go to bed, and that's why you feel depressed. How many of you know you've done that before? You haven't slept well, and you wake up, and you just feel, like, discouraged and depressed, and you're like, what's a you take a nap, and you feel way better. It's not even a spiritual issue. It's just you need to rest your physical body. But you know who knows that? The Holy Spirit. So there's been times before I said, God, what's the issue? Why do I feel this way? I feel angry or I feel fearful or I feel anxious or I feel depressed. And sometimes he said, go to bed. Sometimes he said, you need to forgive someone. God, that's the one we all don't like. No, thanks, God. Let's, let's give me another one to choose from. Can we go back to the nap one? God, why do I feel angry? You're in unforgiveness. Okay, I was hoping that you were going to say snack because that's what I was going for. Let's just eat another snack. Okay, now you need to forgive somebody. The Holy Spirit knows you better than you know you. Come on now, somebody. And he can help you if you want to listen to him. 
You want to be emotionally and mentally healthy? You want to have a healthy soul? You got to go to the Holy Ghost. You got to go to him. When you feel something, don't act on it. Go to him first and say, what's going on here? And he'll tell you. He might not tell you the answer you want, but he'll tell you. And when he does, you need to obey him. You want that situation fixed? You can't ignore his instruction. You need to obey him. If he tells you you need to rest and take a nap, do it. If he tells you you need to change your eating habits, do it. If he tells you you need to forgive, do it. If he tells you you just need to get out of the house and go take a walk and pray, do it. Because whatever he says to you to do is the answer to your problem. I've had times before I felt so overwhelmed, and I was over there praying and, and reading and trying to look for something, and I felt like God was like, just call Pastor Dennis and talk to him. Now, he doesn't say that every time, but that was my answer in that moment. Before I made a rash reaction, based off what I feel, I need to go to him first and say, what's going on? Where is this coming from, and how can I fix this? How can you help me? And in times he said, call Pastor Dennis and just talk to him. And when I did, guess what? I felt way better because whatever issue I had, he had the same issue. And he talked to me about it. And after I got off the phone call, I was not overwhelmed anymore. But like all of us in here, you could have overreacted in that moment if you weren't listening to the Holy Spirit. Here's something we need to know when we, especially if we feel something really strong, like really, like, Intense anxiety or intense anger or intense grief or intense depression. Here's something we always need to remember. Do not make a permanent decision on a temporary emotion. You know, there's a lot of people that have committed suicide, which is horrible. Because they made a permanent decision based off a temporary emotion. But I'm saying with everything, there's many people that ended up in prison for killing someone because they made a permanent decision off a temporary emotion. There's, there's many of people that did something rash because they were experiencing anxiety and, and hurt themselves and other people because they made a permanent decision off a temporary emotion. Listen to me this morning as your pastor. You cannot trust yourself when you're in those settings. That's why you need to go to the Holy Ghost and say, what's going on with me? Where is this coming from? Where is the root of this? And help me fix it. And when you give me instructions, I'm going to listen. Whether it's take a nap or forgive or pray or worship or talk to somebody else, I'm going to do it. Because the Holy Spirit has answers for us. He knows your feelings and emotions. He knows what you're experiencing. And we need to go to him for help. Am I helping anybody so far today? And I want to say this because I I picked this up in prayer this week. and, And I want you to listen to me, especially parents or grandparents. We live in such a day and a time where there's so much mental pressure. You don't got to be a teenager or a young adult to feel that mental pressure right now. We're living in a world full of mental 
in emotional pressure. It's because the times and days we live in. And dad said himself that he'd had a vision before about there was more demonic activity on the earth than there's ever been. Just like there's more angelic. But all of us can feel that mental pressure. Why? Because the enemy comes after your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. But especially for young people, it's rampant in the, the rates of suicide and depression and anxiety are, are crazy. Especially in the past 10 to 15 years. And listen to me. Now, if, if you're a parent or grandparent or you have any involvement in anyone's life that's in elementary or middle school or high school or even college age, I want you to hear what I'm saying. If your young person is struggling, you need to help them. If your young person is opening up to you at any level, you need to listen to them. Don't give them the response Toughen up, get over it. Mm -mm. We are living in times and days that that's not the answer. You need to help them. You need to help them. I'm being really serious about this because I picked this up in prayer this week. Listen to me because more and more your elementary kid, your middle schooler, your high schooler, your college age is going to come to you looking for help because you say you believe something. And you cannot just blow them off and say, get over it, be tough whatever, which a lot of parents do. Take them seriously because what they're dealing with is serious. I'm not just saying this to say this. I picked this up in prayer this week. And they need you to help them. What does help them mean? It means you need to be there for them. You need to talk to them about it. Don't just let them be quiet about it when you can tell they're struggling. No, make them talk about it. Make them open up about it. And then help them through your prayers. Help them through getting in the word with them and giving them good scriptures. And if they need to, take them to somebody else who can help them. A pastor, a leader, somebody. But don't ignore their pain. Don't blow it off like it's not real. What are you dealing with? You're in middle school. They're dealing with more than what you dealt with in middle school. <laughs> they are. It's a different type of mental pressure that, that's today. And a lot of that has to do with our smart devices and the culture we live in today, it's, it's done so much damage to this generation's mental health. If you watch the news, any Facebook and Instagram are being taken to the government because they didn't release this information about they knew that it was harming the mental health of elementary, middle school, and high school, and college-age kids, but yet they still did what they did because they wanted money. They didn't want community. They wanted your money. Oh, shocker. <laughs> and now that information has come out that companies like Facebook and Instagram and all the social media devices, TikTok, and everything that your young people is on was meant not to help their mental health, but to addict them, to change them, to mold them, and to become a more anxious, depressed person, not help them. 
Can I say this this morning? Is this okay? So you as the parent or the grandparent or whoever you are in your life, since they haven't learned yet to hear from the Holy Ghost, you need to help them. So when they're dealing with stuff, say, okay, I love you, but let's take a step back here. I know you're feeling this and it's real. You feel what you feel is real, but let's listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. What's the root of this? Where is this emotion and feeling coming from? And now that we know it, what can we do to fix this? How is the Holy Spirit going to help us? Instead of just letting them do whatever they want to do. Seem like, I, I don't know how to help you. Just get over it, guys. Trust me. Hear me, church family. That's not the answer that you can use anymore. So you need to help them. And we help them the same way I just told you that the Holy Spirit will help you. You have to help them as the parent or the grandparent or whoever's in their life figure out these things. Help them learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. Help them learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Help them understand their feelings and emotions, what to act on, what to not act on, how to process this, how to deal with this. And they only know that by the Spirit of God within them. But we as a church family and parents, grandparents, and whoever you are in here need to be a safe place for anyone, but especially young people, to come and get help. Not just say, get over it. Tough it out. And yes, we believe in deliverance, but guess what? After you pray deliverance over them, you need to help them walk that out. By conversations, by prayer, by helping them get in the word, by helping them listen to the word, by helping them process what they're feeling. Did anybody get anything so far? Okay. Am I all right? Let's go a step further here. We're talking this morning about a prosperous soul. Now, this series is talking about grieving with hope. And last week, of course, I talked about I'm hurting, but I'm healing. And this week, I'm, I'm focusing, trying to focus on, yes, still healing, but just your soul in general and your soul being prosperous. And when I say prosperous, I'm not even talking about your money. I'm talking about the real you being well, being whole, being sound, being healed. But, but here's some other truths that we need to understand as we deal with emotions and feelings that are painful or hard or stuff we've experienced that is traumatic or abusive or grief. Hear me this morning, and I say this with all the love in the world, because I have to acknowledge this myself. Your healing is your responsibility. One of the quotes I've heard before, and you may have heard it yourself, is your pain was probably not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. If we want to be healed from any of these things I listed, any grief, any pain, any trauma, any hurt in our life, you have to realize and acknowledge that if you're going to get better, you're going to have to decide you want to get better. If you're going to be healed, you're going to have to decide you want to be healed. I love it in the Gospels. Jesus would walk up to people and it says, 
Do you want to be well? Do you want to be healed? Now, why would Jesus say that? He knows that they wanted to. No, he doesn't. Because you have a will. And you have your own choice to make. And Jesus would come up and say, do you want to be well? Do you want to be made whole? And they would have to say yes or no. And he would say, be it unto you according to your faith. And so we have to acknowledge ourselves today. Everyone in here, no matter if it was your fault or someone else's fault, your healing is still your responsibility. And we have to take responsibility for it and ownership of it because God cannot help you until you want help. God cannot heal you until you want healed. You have to get your will and your agreement in line with God for God and even other people to help you. Here's what I've seen in my life as well. Some people don't want to be healed. Some people don't want to get better. You know, there's a scripture in the Psalms that says that David, one time in his life, he refused to be comforted. Meaning there was healing available for him. He could have gotten better. But in that moment, David refused to be comforted. And I get it. Because a lot of us in here, if you went through so much pain and grief and hurt and pain, and you lived that way a really long time, it feels more normal to be hurt and broken than it does to be healed and free. And really, freedom and healing feels scary in a weird way. I don't know what my life would be like if I was really free or really healed or really normal again. So some people don't want to be healed because being hurt and in pain feels normal to them. Let me tell you this morning, I know it might feel uncomfortable. I know it might feel different. It could even feel strange. You know, if you've been locked up with chains on you your whole life, if you got those chains off and walked out of the prison cell, you'd feel a little different. It wouldn't feel normal anymore because that was your normal to be chained up. And I want you to know today, no matter how different it would make you feel or how strange it seems to you or uncomfortable, freedom and healing is always better than being broken. <laughs> freedom and healing is always better than pain and grief and abuse and trauma and whatever has happened to you in your life. It could have been your fault. It could have been other people's fault. But whoever fault it is, your healing is your responsibility. And if you want to be whole, you're going to have to choose to be whole. If you want to be healed, you're going to have to choose you want to be healed. That's why Jesus said, do you want to be well? Are you getting anything this morning? We're doing okay today. I feel like you're receiving this this morning. Here's another quote. I love this. And I screenshotted this the other day. It goes right along with what I'm saying. This person said, if anyone is going to magically appear in your life and suddenly make your life better, just know that person is always going to be you. It's going to be you. 
But do you see why people never get healed? They're waiting on the prince on the horse (laughs) to come galloping and save them. And he healed them and transformed their life. They're waiting for the long lost friend to get into their life and change it for them. They're waiting for a parent or a grandparent to forgive them or say they're sorry or they're waiting for a co-worker to make things right with them. They're waiting on someone else in their life to do something. But guess what? The truth is this. If anyone is going to come into your life and change it and you to be different, that person's always going to be you. It's got to be you. It's got to be you. And until you understand that and acknowledge that and agree with that, you'll always be waiting for healing to come. You'll always be waiting for something to happen, and then you'll get better. You'll always be waiting for someone else to do something, and then I'll be free. No, you won't. Your healing is your responsibility. If anyone's going to come into your life and change it, it's going to be you. We say, well, it's going to be God. Well, he can only help you unless you decide. You want help? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Well, other people can help me. Yes, they can, but you have to decide first. I'm going to get help, and I'm going to be healed and whole. Now let's turn to 3 John again. You guys still getting something today? 3 John 1 and 2. Notice what it says. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. And let's just leave this up here for a little bit. So the title of my message today was A Prosperous Soul. You have to realize that the enemy's battleground is your soul. It's referred to when speaking about the devil, it always says he's the enemy of your soul. Now, what is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. God made you a three-part being. You have a spirit, soul, and body. The spirit part of you is what gets born again, gets made new, gets made righteous, gets made holy. It's the part of you that's connected with God. But you have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions, and you have a body. But hear what I'm saying today. If you're going to be healthy, you've got to realize your soul is the deciding factor in your life. Now, Just for time's sake, I just want to explain this real quick. If we had spirit, soul, and body all standing together today, this is what it would be like for most believers. The spirit's trying to go this way, the way that God wants it to go, but it's pulling by itself. So guess what? The soul and the body has more momentum, has more weight because there's two versus one. And that's why most believers never change. Most believers stay the same. Most believers are never healed. Most believers 
come to church and repeat the same cycles and the same addictions and the same hurts. I'm preaching better than you responding because their spirit is new, but they've never done anything about their soul or their body. But listen to this. Your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions is a deciding factor. If your soul ever got renewed and ever got transformed and ever got healed and whole and sound, it would partner up with your spirit and it would take your whole body and your course of life in the right direction and it would go towards the things of God and to be a part of what God is doing in your life. But most believers are ruled by their soul and their body. So guess what? Their spirit can't get much momentum. But what's the deciding factor? Your soul. Wherever the soul goes, so the rest of you follows. The soul can either go with the body or it can go with your spirit. But that's your decision. But I love this verse. Notice what it says. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Man, this will preach. Just as your soul prospers. He's saying, we want the outward things to show up and be healthy. We want, we want health in our body. We want health in our relationships. We want to be prosperous financially. We want to succeed. And we want to be well. And he says, but you're only going to be well and prosperous outside to the proportion you are on the inside. <laughs> You'll never be prosperous on the outside if you're not prosperous on the inside. You'll never be healthy on the outside if you're not healthy on the inside. Hear me this morning. There's a reason there's so many sick people in a country like ours. We've got a lot of money in this country. We're a prosperous nation. Why is there so many people sick in this country? Why is every hospital filled? And we have medicine? And we actually have more opportunities with better food in this country if we wanted it? More supplements and vitamins? A better health care system? Why are we sick? Because if you're sick on the inside, you're going to be sick on the outside. If you're not right on the inside, you're not going to be right on the outside. And trust me, you can take as much antibiotics as you want. You can get the COVID-19 vaccine. Guess what? You're still going to be sick if you're sick on the inside. You will only prosper as your soul prospers. He said, I, beloved, I pray, I pray that you prosper. I pray that you succeed. I pray that you're healthy in your body and your mind. But it will be as your soul prospers. As your soul prospers. Soul prosperity is better than financial prosperity. Soul prosperity is better than physical prosperity. Because if you get your soul right, 
all the rest of the things will come as a byproduct of your soul being prosperous. Come on now. Are you receiving this today? And we got to put the focus on what it needs to be, your soul. If you have a healthy soul, you have a healthy life. If you have a healthy soul, you have a healthy body. If you have a healthy soul, you'll have healthy finances. If you have a healthy soul, you'll have healthy relationships. If you have a healthy soul, you will have a healthy life. But it starts on the inside before it comes out on the outside. But I love it. He connects the two. You will only be as prosperous and as healthy as your soul is prosperous and healthy. Listen to me, church. If you want true prosperity, if you want true health and healing, it's an inside job. Now, now the world does this the opposite way. And that's why they can get a few things, but then they lose it. They can get a few things, but then they end up unhealthy. Because they go it on the outside externally let me get health and let me get money and let me get relationships and let me but but I don't care what's happening in my soul I just care what's happening on the outside but all those people self-implode all those people self-destruct I think Jesus said something like this in the gospels he said what does it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul Now, many people he's talking to, thought he's talking about heaven and hell. He's not talking about heaven and hell. He's talking about you can get the world and lose the real person on the inside. You can get the money but lose your peace. You can get the, you can get the body you want but lose your joy. <laughs> you can get everything this world has to offer but still be emotionally and mentally sick and dying and broken and hurting and in pain. Yes. Right. So you can gain the world but still lose your soul. Yes. Does that profit you? Does that help you? Because in the end you'll lose it anyways. <sighs> you'll self-destruct. Some sooner than later. What does it profit a man? But I love Jesus. He's not against all those things, but he says, you got to go about it the right way. And it's an inside job first. It's an internal thing first. If you get your soul prosperous and healthy, then your body will be prosperous and healthy. If you get your soul right, then your mind will be prosperous and healthy. If you get your soul right, then your money will be prosperous and healthy. If you get your soul right, your relationships will be prosperous and healthy. He's not against you having those things. He just wants you to have those things in a way that will last. And you won't lose yourself trying to get it. I pray that you may prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. You guys get something today, and I'm about to close. Talking about a prosperous soul. There's two things I want to close with if we're going to have a prosperous soul, and I could say many more. First is we're going to have to guard our soul. 
Let's read Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart, notice, above all else. That, that internal man, that inside man, that inward man, you better guard him. I mean, you guard your house with ADT better than you do your spirit and your soul. Buying new guns all the time, thinking it's going to be the apocalypse. What about your soul? You're living your life with your soul with all the doors open. Trying to protect your house and your family more than them. Notice he says, guard your heart. That's that inward man above all else. Notice for it determines the course of your life. If we're going to have a prosperous soul, we're going to have to guard our soul. Here's some things we need to guard if we're going to guard our soul. Our thoughts. Do you realize your thoughts and your emotions go hand in hand together? You think something before you feel something. And most people live a life that they never guard their thoughts. They just let anything come in there and rule their life when they have a choice. If we're going to guard our soul, we're going to have to guard our thoughts. Here's a quick filter. If whatever you're thinking doesn't give you more peace and more joy and more faith and leads you on the path to more godliness, stop thinking about it. It's not good for you. It's not helping you. The Bible all throughout has a lot to say about guarding your mind and your thoughts. And guarding your mind and your thoughts is guarding your soul. Because what you think about is who you will become. What you think about as your soul goes, so goes the course of your life. And many of us do not guard what we think about. So we live our life with an unguarded soul. We got to guard our thoughts. The Bible says, think on things that are pure and lovely and of a good report. The Bible says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If it doesn't line up with his word, throw it out of your mind. You got to guard your soul. How do we guard our soul? One of the ways we guard our thought life. Because as we think is the way we will feel. Here's another one. Relationships. You got to guard your soul by the relationships you have. That could be friends. That could be family. That could be romantic relationships. Whoever is close to you is affecting your soul either for the good or the bad. And we need to be guarded in our soul. If you get around people and every time you leave them, you feel more depressed, more anxious, more worldly, more impure, more like I don't want to serve God, they're not right for your soul. You better guard that thing. If when you go out to eat with them, you feel less like serving God, 
less like getting into your Bible. But we had a fun time and we cracked some jokes. Your soul's not worth that. But, you know, they've always been in my life, so i got to keep them in my life. Who said? Who said that? Who literally said that? No one said that other than people that don't know what they're talking about in the first place. Well, they're my family members. You have a choice. You can put boundaries in your life. If you're not helping my soul, you're not coming to Thanksgiving. If you're not helping my soul, you're not going to be around me and my family. If you're not helping my soul, my soul is more important than relationships. I'm telling you the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. If we want to guard our soul, we're going to have to guard our thoughts. We're going to have to guard our relationships. Because they'll affect your soul. They'll affect your mind, your will, your emotions. And if they're not healthy and they're not right, do it in a loving way. But put some boundaries in your life. I love you, but you're not getting that close to me. I love you, but I don't have that kind of time to spend anymore. I love you, but you can't be around my family. I love you, but you're not good for my soul. Some of you think, well, that's not Christian, and that's not loving. It's amazing. Jesus, even with his own disciples, didn't let all of them close to him. He loved everyone, but Peter, James, and John were the three people he kept close to them because they helped his soul. They helped his call. They helped his future. I just have a few more things. You guys still with me? So if we're going to have a prosperous soul, we're going to have to guard our soul. Here's the next thing. If we want to have a prosperous soul, we're going to have to grow our soul. In the Bible, it says that God sends his word and it heals us and it grows us and it changes us. So one of the best ways to grow our soul is to meditate in God's word. Notice it said meditate. I didn't say read. A lot of people read the Bible, get nothing out of it, and do it again the next day. I'm talking about meditating. That means stopping, thinking, praying through it, spending quality time with God, not just doing it out of duty, but out of delight, and meditating or focusing your mind on God's word. People are like, well, I don't know how to meditate. Do you know how to worry? We're all good at that. Okay, we'll just do that, but about God's word. It's called being obsessive and thinking about something and thinking about something and thinking about something and meditating on something. God wants you to do that about his word, not the problem. (laughs) Not your anxiety. No, we all know how to meditate. We just do it on the wrong stuff all the time. I love that Pastor Keith Moore told this story one time. He said he was preaching on this verse, and it was in a healing school. He was preaching on this verse about, in Joshua, where it says, meditate on the word day and night. And there was this lady there that had been in and out of mental institutes. And afterwards, she came up to him and said, you can't. Meditate on the word day and night. 
You just can't do that. Pastor Keith Moore, knowing that she'd been in and out of mental institutes, he said, you already are meditating on something day and night. It's just not God's word. That's why you're in the mental and emotional condition you are in. And I love you, but your mind is meditating on the wrong things. So when we say, we can't, we, you can't do that, you, no, we already are. You're obsessing over stuff all the time. You're thinking about stuff all the time. Meditating on God's word grows our soul. Now, look what it says in Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. And their leaves never wither, and they prosper. Remember that word, prosper? In all they do. Brother Daryl, could you come up and play for a second? If we're going to grow in our soul, we need to meditate on God's word. See, this is what happens. When we meditate on God's word, it focuses our thoughts, which is our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions on God's word. And that starts changing it. And that starts growing it. And he sent his word and he healed us. But it can't heal us unless it's in our mind and in our thoughts and in our mouth. And we're meditating on God's word day and night. And I would encourage you, if you're really struggling mentally and emotionally, you need to be listening to the word day and night. We got podcasts. Other people got great podcasts. Keep the word playing day and night. Keep worship going day and night. Why? Because I care more about my mental and emotional health than anything else. And if I'm not in the healthy place I need to be, I'm meditating on the wrong things. You know, they even have a Bible app that you could hit play and it will read it to you. you say, well, I just get tired of reading. Okay, just hit play. Meditating day and night. Trust me, it will start growing your soul. Your soul will start getting stronger. Your soul will start changing, start growing. Not just your spirit, but your soul. Your mind, your will, your emotions. You guys still follow me today? I just got a few more things. I know I've talked long the past two weeks. I just got a lot to say on the subject. Is it helping anybody? I know it's helping the front section. Anybody in the back still awake there? Is it helping you? Okay. My PowerPoint team was waving in the their hands in the air like they just didn't care back there. <laughs> They're doing the wave in the back. That's, that's the kind of PowerPoint people I need. Yeah. Grow your soul. Here's another question. Things that grow your soul. Once again, we don't always talk about this in church, but just from the reason I've studied all this stuff for about a decade it's because I needed it. I didn't study this stuff so I could have something to preach. I was desperate. 
I said, I need to figure out something. I'm having panic attacks and I'm feeling depressed and my body's feeling different. And I didn't experience that as a younger man, but I started experiencing that about a decade ago. And I said, I got to figure something out. Because this isn't right. And I don't want to live this way. And I know God has answers. But he also gives other people answers too. And I, let me read their material and see what other people who love God and are studied psychology or your brain or your body, what do they have to say about this? It always aligns with God's word. It's got a few more things to say, but when we're, when we're growing our soul, now we talked about a prosperous soul, we guard it, but then it needs to grow. I mean, we all know elderly people that are emotionally and mentally still 10 or 17 or 22. They never grew in their soul. But in a lot of the reading I did, and even talking to other pastors and leaders who have went further than I've been, they said one of the best things to help your soul is just to do things that in one sense fill your tank up. It's not always spiritual. Realize that the same God that wants you to get in the word is the same God that said he's richly given you all things to enjoy. And yes, we need the word. I've been talking about that, meditating on day and night, but sometimes we just need to do things that refresh our soul. If we want to grow in our soul, we need to refresh our soul. And it's different for everybody in here, but you need to make a list. What refreshes my soul? I just had a conversation with Pastor Dennis the other day. And sometimes it's not the spiritual things that are tripping you up. It's like, no, you just need to go take a break. <laughs> you need to go take a walk and pray. You need to spend time with people that fill you up. You need to go on a vacation. God, thank you, Jesus. I need that. <laughs> You need to, yeah, I'm still praying that one out. It's kind of a lot going on at church right now. I can't, no, I'm joking. Um, but what helps your soul? Yes, spiritual things, you put that first. But there's other things that help your mind, your will, and emotions. Dr. Summerall said it like this. A lot of people that think they're depressed, all they need to do is go take a trip. They need to go outside and walk in nature and pray. Do you realize a lot of us are living stressful jobs, overworked, don't sleep, eat junk food, stay in our house all the time, never get sunlight, and then we're supposed to be healthy, vibrant people, spirit, soul, and body? That's the average American's life. No, that's not healthy. But I want to encourage you guys before I leave today, and don't write it right this second, but... Write some things down that help your soul, that refill your soul. What are things that make you, in your thoughts, in your mind, your will, and your emotions, you feel stronger, you feel better, you feel healthier? Some of you, it could be cooking more. Could be spending time with friends. Could be going to take a walk at the park it could be going to a baseball game 
We need to stop making these things like carnal. It's fleshly. Don't talk about that, Pastor. No, it's life. God wants you to enjoy your life. And if you live so narrow-minded and uptight about everything, you're not going to have a healthy soul. And most of us in here don't make any time to do any of those things. And we wonder why we're struggling in our soul. Now, Pastor, why are you saying that? Because I lived that way for a decade. It's not healthy. And I know if I'm doing it, you're probably doing it too. Do things that help your soul. Do things that grow your soul. Do things like the Bible said God gave you all things richly to enjoy. That will help your soul. That will grow your soul. Some of you are looking at me like you agree. The others are like, Pastor, I cannot believe you're saying this on a Sunday morning. <laughs> okay, two people said it's so good. Everybody else is like, oh my gosh, what's Pastor getting into these days? <laughs> he seems so new age on a Sunday morning here. <laughs> I'm giving you some real life practical advice. Okay, okay. Or I'm just, once again, we're having group therapy and I'm presenting and telling you my issues. But let me just say this as your pastor. I've done that for a decade and it's really done a lot of damage to my soul. And I don't want you guys to live that way. And you can love God and you can pray in tongues. And you can read theological books all day, like I do. And you can be a pastor. And you can still have an unhealthy soul. Because you don't rest. Because you don't do things that are fun. Because you don't enjoy God's wonderful creation he made. And he made it for us. Every good thing you eat. God made that for you to enjoy. Every bit of nature we see, God made that for you to enjoy. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. And you can't have a healthy, growing soul if you just separate yourself from all those things. Those things are important. That's why God said in his word he wanted his people to rest. Every week, every year, take times. And all those times were set apart to do exactly what I'm talking about. He said, I want you to rest. I want you to eat the best food. I want you to hang out with the people you love. I want you to enjoy my goodness. I want you to do all these things because I want you to richly enjoy everything I've created. And when we do that, that's actually worship as well. You know, this is worship, but enjoying all the good and perfect gifts God has created and actually living your life is worship. It's worship. When every time we experience those things, we look back at God and we say, thank you for this. God, thank you for creating this. Thank you for letting me experience this. Thank you for giving me this. 
Because every good and perfect gift comes from you. And I don't worship all these things I'm enjoying, but you gave it to me. And I worship the creator, not the creation. And trust me, when you do that, your soul's going to get healthier. Your soul's going to grow. Did you guys get anything this morning? Let's stand up for a second. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.